McShane Bible Study, day 308, 309, and we are starting in uh, 2 Kings, doing chapters 17 and 18, which are two very different chapters. 17 is basically the end of Israel, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the, the last king is a bad king. The king of Samaria comes and sacks Israel. He takes... No, not the king of Samaria. Sorry. King of Assyria. They sound kind of alike, don't they? King of Assyria sacks Samaria, and he takes all the people, probably not all of them, generally all of them, all of the people considered important, mm-hmm. but they're not going to take every single person. It'd be difficult. People would hide. Um, but they're, they're taking all the, all the, what they consider important, rich people, and they're moving them and spreading them around their empire. You can see they control Babylon at this time. There's a, they're a powerful empire, right? Um, and then they take people from all those lands, the Medes, you can see from the, just the way it's described, they control the territory of the Medes, they control the territory of Babylon. It doesn't specifically mention Persia, unless one of these other words means Persia, um, but the two empires that are going to come after them is Babylon and then uh, the Medes and Persians, right? So you can see both of them are controlled by Assyria. Assyria is the biggest power at that time. And this, uh, well, it's the next king that's going to deal with Hezekiah. Is uh, He's a king, Sennacherib. Um, both Hitler and Stalin really admired Sennacherib. That tells you he's a bad guy, right? Anyways, he's the guy Hezekiah is dealing with in the next chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but this is a different king. This is a decade earlier. Um, And he takes the people and he just spreads them around. It was common in those days. You know, later the Babylonians do it to the Judah, the Jews, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and, And then, so a lot of this chapter is just... An explanation, like, look, God established the people. He made a covenant. He said, if you go my way, I'll bless you. If you go against me, you'll be cursed. And he sent lots of prophets and seers along the way to warn them that they were going the wrong way. And so it's no surprise that this came about. Let's see verse 7. And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel and in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced. You see that? I think that's important for today. Going about the customs of the world around us. Mm-hmm. The people around us, whether they're leaders, leaders are mentioned, or just the regular people, just going about and thinking, well, that's okay, everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And God said, no, I want you to go my way. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, 25. And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord, therefore the Lord sent lions amongst them. So that's how, this is just how Samaritans came to be. I mean, you could have called them Samaritans before, but they were Israelites before. After they took a bunch of Israelites out, surely some were left. They took a bunch of people from all those other countries that Assyria had conquered, and they deposited them into um, Israel or Samaria, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and, and then they were worshiping their gods from where they came from. And so the lions started attacking people. And so they cried out to the, 
emperor, the king of uh, Assyria, help us. We, we, know, we don't know how, we need to know how to make the God of this land happy. So he found a priest to come and teach him, somebody who had been an Israelite priest. So probably had a little bit of warped idea in the beginning because the priest had not been having the people go down to Jerusalem. They had the two golden calves, right? But they were they were worshiping the Lord. Um, and so this priest taught them to worship the Lord, but still doing it in kind of not the right ways. And so later in the, you know, the New Testament, we see during the time of Jesus, the problem that they have with the Samaritans the Samaritans did worship uh, God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, right? Mm-hmm. But they didn't uh, accept that the rest of the Old Testament was actually part of the Bible, because most of that stuff was either against them or or not or came after them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so you see where this came from, and they were mm-hmm. kind of a mixed breed between Israelites and uh, these other random countries. And they did worship God, but not in the way God had actually prescribed, but some of the ways God had prescribed, right? And and so that's why the Israelites looked down on them so much, is this is who they were, right? And this is kind of the end of when we stop hearing about the the history of Israel until the New Testament. Um, Chapter 18, Hezekiah is reigning in Judah, and he did what was right in the Lord's eyes, right? Verse 6 says, For he held fast to the Lord, he did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments and the Lord com- that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Whenever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. Um, he struck down the Philistines. Uh, you know, he's, he's doing a lot to be a really good king, right? But then Sennacherib, again, very powerful emperor king, comes against him. He had already he had already taken Israel, which was a more powerful country than Judah, and he comes against him and he says, "How can?" You? But he had been paying him tribute. It's a little confusing because he says he would not serve him, but then he comes against him and he does. He strips the gold off the temple and he's sending that to him. He's sending everything to him. Um, but then. He's also rebelling. King of Syria comes against him. And they start speaking in the Jewish language um, to the people, saying, what God from any of these countries helped those people? Your God wants us to destroy you, right? Your God's nothing against us. We're more powerful. And, And so Hezekiah is very concerned. Right, they have they're mocking the size of their army because their army is so much more powerful, mm-hmm. and the, probably the people are concerned, right? The king's concerned, and that's how the chapter ends, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll find out next time on Sunday. Uh, we'll read the next two chapters and probably finish that story. But basically, what we know is Hezekiah is one who does seek the Lord, who does follow the Lord. I, I would say in stripping the temple, he wasn't completely 100% following, but basically <laughs> he's described as following the Lord, right? He, he should have done what he's going to do a little earlier in my view, but he does it now, right? And isn't that true for a lot of us? 
Isn't that true for all of us? <laughs> we make mistakes along the way, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on. And we're finishing the book of Titus, which is chapter 3, and it starts out, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. So this letter is very similar to what he writes to Timothy, right? It's very similar advice to these people he's uh, he's setting up as as uh, you know he's he's their overseer, basically their their apostles. He's kind of a super apostle above them, right? I mean, he's he's trained them, and now they're doing the same work. Um, and so you know he, he's. We've gone over all this, but obeying rulers and authorities, being obedient, uh, being ready to do a good work, to be the light of Christ in whatever situation, right? Speaking evil of no one, not arguing with people, being gentle, being nice to others, right? Courteous. And then he says, three, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So he says, anything that anyone we encounter that gives us trouble, mm -hmm. we need to have a gracious heart because that was us, mm -hmm. right? It still can be us if we're not completely restored, redeemed, right? Mm -hmm. But certainly we... You know, this is what we come from. Four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. So, he says, we're not saved in the life of the Lord because of our righteousness. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not, if we start thinking that we're special, that we get this blessing, this glory, because we're special, we're off track. It's not because of that, right? Um... Sorry, I'm, I'm less my, missed my spot. Not done to, by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So he's given us the grace to justify us so that we are no longer dead in our sins. And now gives us the capability to become heirs of this eternal life. Right? I don't think I had much else to say. It got me all the way to almost to the final greetings. And then we're going to read the book of Philemon, which is just a one-chapter letter. It's a personal letter between Paul and Philemon. And there's, there's probably a lot more he wrote, but this one got kept. And since Paul wrote it, it's in the Bible. And he first starts out, and it's very talking about how much he loves Philemon and, and what a wonderful brother in the Lord he is, right? But then he says, there's this man, Onesimus. And Onesimus had come, he had run away. He was Philemon's slave. Mm -hmm. He had run away, and he had ended up in jail with Paul. And Paul introduced him to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And he became a brother in Christ to Paul in jail, mm -hmm. okay? And then he, I'm assuming he was in jail. I don't know if it's specifically in an old man, no, a prisoner. I'm assuming he was in jail. I don't know why he would be visiting Paul if he wasn't. So he, he had to have been in jail with him. Um, 
and so he he now says basically he's now my child in the Lord. Like I have brought him to the Lord. I've been training him in the Lord. He says, however, I've started to feel guilty because legally, according to the rules of this world, mm-hmm. you are his owner. And I don't want to go against that rule. And also, you're my brother in Christ. And according to the rules of this world, you own him. Mm-hmm. So by those measures and for those reasons, I'm going to send him back to you. Right? Because mm-hmm. according to the rules of Rome, you're his lawful owner. However, and I'm not going to demand, it's funny, he says, I'm not going to demand that you set him free. But then he goes to exert a whole lot of pressure. <laughs> right? And he says, hey, you, I think you should set him free. And he'll probably be better to you as a brother in Christ than he was as, a, as your slave, probably more, more useful to you in that reason. And he says, if you feel like he owes you something, charge it to my account. And oh, by the way, you owe me everything because I brought you to the Lord. <laughs> right? So my account should be able to cover this. <laughs> right? So he's, he's putting a strong amount of pressure on him that, you know, he should be obedient. And he says in 21, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. And then he goes on, you know, please prepare guest room. I guess when I'm out of jail, I plan on, you know, coming your way. And, uh, and then there's greetings. That's, that's the whole letter. Mm-hmm. We're in Hosea 10 and 11, and we just talked about this a little bit, but Hosea 10 is a strong prophecy against Israel, for exactly what we just read, will happen in Second Kings, uh, or did happen. Verse 6, That thing itself shall be carried to Assyria as tribute to the great king. Ephraim shall be put to shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his idol. So he, he was one of the many prophets who warned them. Remember in Second Kings it said prophets came and warned them this would happen, but they ignored them. Hosea was one of those prophets. And look, this is what's going to happen. You've turned away from God. And 11 you know, somewhat continues in that vein, but also somewhat tells about God's love for Israel. Uh, Verse 10 to the end says, They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. Well, did this come true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had Israelites over the last hundred years have been coming back, right? from the west you've had them come back mostly from europe but also a little bit from america um from egypt from those countries in africa uh from assyria which would be all the middle east at that Mm -hmm. point right remember Mm -hmm. assyria controlled everything at the time he's talking um and so they did come back but this is also a bigger picture of people from god that are judged for walking in the ways of the world but coming back, some, not all. This isn't all the people. Most of those people stopped being Jews. They just assimilated with the world. Mm-hmm. But some of them, they kept to God, kept their hearts for God. Remember that they are Jews, which is amazing. Throughout thousands of years spread out around the world, many of them have not assimilated. They're still Jews, right? So you have this picture of Jews returning to the Lord and knowing their Messiah. You have this picture of uh, Christians waking up and truly giving their whole lives to the Lord. 
12. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. So he says, I have kept a holy remnant. Right? And we are wrapping up with Psalm 70 to 72. Uh, 71 stood out to me. It, it starts out, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Um... He says, you know, three, be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me. You are my rock and my fortress. Basically, he says, you're my life. You're my protector. You're my leader. Everything is in you, mm -hmm. right? Um, I had a time with the Lord this morning that it's not what I wanted. Uh, I, I woke up very early. I was spending time and Mr. Soon's up even earlier because he's West Coast and he's texted me and I'm like, what are you doing up at 4 a.m.? Although I've woken up not that much uh, later than that, but two hours earlier. Um, and uh, and I was I'd praying about things, but he's also sharing things and I'm, I'm doing different things. But I remember one of the things I prayed about, so I, I haven't talked to you much about it, but I, I've been studying decentralized finance a lot. What's decentralized finance? And what does it have to do with Bible study? Well, if you wait and listen, you'll hear. If you start trying to teach me, you can't be taught, right? So, um, I, I, I'll, I can explain that to you some other time. It's a big topic. But, basically, a lot of ways that Wall Street has made money over the last century have become available to everybody. So that's a, a part of what I'm trying to build my, my company reformat it to teach about. And of course I spent a lot of time studying these things. And this particular one is, <laughs> is very titillating. Uh, it, it, uh, I first found out about it a couple of weeks ago and, um, and then I had somebody that I, you know, have a, subscription from just shared it this week and people are making 8,000% on this program. That seems, although there is, it's a fairly new program. So the the risk of hacking is higher. Somebody hacks you and takes all your money and your money's gone. Um, so, so that's a risk for sure. Other than that, it seems fairly like not near the risk you would think that's something that, but, you know, 8,000%, that's like put 5,000 in it in, in a year, you have $400,000. Like, that'd be a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. I was kind of excited about it. I was on my way to thinking, you know, <laughs> that's something I want to do. But this morning, I was praying about a number of things and getting distracted. And one of the things I know I was praying about is, should I do that? And I remember somewhere in my prayers, I heard uh, the scripture. A lot of times I ask for a scripture from the Lord to kind of guide me. I hear from him that way a lot more than I hear a, you know, a booming voice, so to speak. And um, I heard Ephesians 5, 7. Well, again, I was distracted. I didn't look it up at the time. I went on my walk this morning. And, uh, and then I remember, oh, yeah, he gave me a scripture. And I don't even remember what I was praying about at the time. <laughs> but what, it, what, what is Ephesians 5, 7? It says, do not partner with them. 
Okay. Well, I don't know for a fact that the question I asked the Lord, because again, I was distracted, was even about that. But I know that was the one of the questions on my heart. So I have to, and I don't even remember what else I was praying about. I have to assume that's what it was, unless I hear otherwise. Um, I'm not, a lot of times people, if their flesh wants something, mm-hmm. they'll overrule what the Lord says, mm-hmm. because it's not what they want to hear. So we have to be wary about that, right? Mm-hmm. Be, and so what, what is David saying? He's saying, you know, my life is in you, right? In you, O oh Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what, you know, these people for months now have been making 8,000%. It's annualized. So it, yeah, it compounds three times a day. So by the end of the year, you've made 8,000%. It's not like a continual 8,000%. That would be astronomical. Um, <laughs> but still, if you're willing to wait a year, 8,000% is pretty good. <laughs> right? It's real good. Uh, but, uh, but the Lord is apparently saying no. And again, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to seek him on it because, again, I would really like to do it. But unless I hear a clear yes, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that no was for this. Now, it could be for a couple reasons. It could be because a hack's coming and the Lord is saving me from losing money in it, right? Mm -hmm. What was verse 20? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. Um, It's funny that I read that differently this time than last time. But but the Lord will protect us from many things if we obey him. Mm Mm-hmm. Israel, we're just reading about, got completely destroyed. If they would have obeyed mm-hmm. him, they wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. They chose to not obey him. When we're seeking him for guidance, we have to choose to obey, even when our flesh doesn't want that. Mm-hmm. So he might be saving me from something that's going to hurt, that, that would, I mean, who knows, maybe next week it'll be hacked and all that money would be gone and I, he saved me from losing that money, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe... He just doesn't want me to be connected. Maybe there's someone or some people that just spiritually I shouldn't be connected to them. Mm-hmm. Okay? And maybe they are going to continue making tons of money. But he's saying, that's not for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord. Well, my life is in your hands. I trust you to take care of me. I don't need to participate in that if it's not good in your eyes. Right? Right? If it's not good in your eyes, then it's not good in my eyes. And I don't need to know why. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we follow the Lord, it's that simple. I don't, I don't deserve to know why. If he tells me why, great. If I later see why, great. If I don't, well, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. What's important is my heart is to obey the Lord. Right? What's important is you grow up with a heart to obey the Lord. Right? Mm-hmm. It's far too easy to get caught up in the ways of the world, like we saw in, uh, well, it's also in Kings, what was happening, right? What was being described of Israel, going around like the people around them, mm-hmm. instead of following the Lord. Going, uh, following after our flesh, what our flesh wants, instead of following the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Psalm 72, it's, it's just cool, because it's, it's kind of like the very last prayer that David makes over his son Solomon's life. David's dying, his son Solomon's going to be king, and so he's just praying, Lord, bless him, bless him as a king, bless his kingdom, his people, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's beautiful in that way. But uh, that's all I have. Do you have anything else? No. All right. God bless you. God bless you.